This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike. I'm Dave. We hippies have come together to spark change. So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that, let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. So this is a very, very, very exciting episode for all you folks, hippies, drug lovers, and lug nuts, and tree huggers. <laughs> this is an episode about ayahuasca, one of the oldest psychedelics that we know of that has been practiced and been used for close to 8,000 years. Uh, we actually covered last week a synthesized version of ayahuasca, which Mike a wonderful Mike uh, gave us such a great introduction and experiences about which was DMT. So definitely check out the previous episode if you'd like to know a little bit more. But today we have a special guest, a friend of mine. Uh, we were buddies out in Israel. We jammed, we got drunk together. We did fucking shit like nobody's business. Nessie, <laughs> how are you, man? Welcome. I'm good. Lost uh, in the group. Good. How you doing, man? You're You're good. Uh, do you want to give a little introduction? Kind of uh, viewers know who you are. Um, I'm Nessie. I'm David's friend from Israel. But I am um, a dude living in a windmill. It's pretty cool. I mean, you, you've, uh, you're a musician, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I play guitar. I, um, yeah. I was in a Hasidic sect before that I left. <laughs> what? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're both, uh, if, Mike, if you haven't, if I haven't told you this before, me and uh, Nessie are both from the Jewish community. Well, I mean, you did mention you hung out in Israel, so I mean, does it, <laughs> that was kind of a clue. That's, that's kind of a <laughs> kind of giveaway, you know, like I had some guesses there. Of course, but, you uh, you're always but, have, you always have guesses, man. So, yeah, I mean, uh, good, right, correct guesses and incorrect guesses. A guess is a guess, but yes. yeah. Well, I mean, it is going to be an awesome episode. Uh, I think a lot of people have been waiting for ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. It's such an interesting name. And I, I've been thinking about it all day before we started this, uh, this episode, just kind of thinking like, who came up with this name? Any, uh, any idea, David? Or should I just uh, poke around Google and see what Google will tell me? I don't know. Nessie, do you, do you know the... Uh... Do you know where the name ayahuasca comes from? I feel like it's the South American like name the Thomas used to it, like just from whatever like language they use. But... You mean those na- you know those those names? Ah, uh, well, thank goodness for for Google. Here, let me share my screen. <laughs> Host is disabled participant screen sharing. This fucking guy, David, loves to control shit, man. I listen, swear to man, God. Listen, man. Okay. I'm gonna... <laughs> you fucking control guy, man. All right. There you go, man. All right. Share your screen. Share us the beauty. Okay. So there it is. So in the Quacha languages, Aya means spirit it's... or soul. Or it's, corpse. It's pronounced. Oh. It's pronounced queake. Queak. 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 
What, what am I trying to quack like a duck? Yeah, uh, exactly. Kawakawa. <laughs> <laughs> so, corpse or dead body, and waska means rope or wood, woody vine. Um, yana, the word ayahuasca, has been variously translated as yana of the soul or the dead or the spirit. Oh, there you ha- well, there you have it. I was curious. There you go. Well, thank goodness, man. Uh, for Google. Google's always there by our side. Since 1998, nor are we sponsored or partnership yet by Google, but when they put our brain chips in, we will let you guys know. Don't worry, man. I'll go All first. right. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> so me and Nessie were, um, were talking about this. I think I'm – am I the only one that has had ayahuasca? Out of all, really? Am I the only one? All right. All right. So, I'm just not cool, man. I'm just not that cool. What kind of beer are you drinking? Blue Moon. Oh, thought it was something exotic. It is exotic. It's a uh, Belgian beer. Belgian pale white. <laughs> it's just like more it. white. <laughs> <laughs> Belgian, <laughs> Belgian white. So... Ayahuasca, I mean, we, we kind of discussed this in the previous episode where it's different than DMT because you were telling me this, that DMT kind of has a very similar experience over, you know, over and over, or I guess when you take it and the next experience that you have when you consume it, whereas with ayahuasca, it's a completely personal experience. So from what I, from my experience, so what I know about ayahuasca is the environment affects the way that the trip affects you. So a great example of this, if you're in Mickey D's and you're thinking of Mickey D's, you're going to be tripping for 18 hours about Mickey D's. That's how ayahuasca works. Another one is smell. So the things that you smell also affect your trip. So if you smell shit, dog shit, 18 hours, you're going to kind of feel the sense of dog shit for 18 hours. Uh, but <clears throat> it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, Nessie, you were, you were telling me you did some research, um, you know, on the tribes, especially like, I mean, this is kind of a ritual things that a lot of uh, Native Americans groups have done, especially in South America and here in the United States after we slaughtered and murdered all of them. But anyway, point be told, uh, do you have like any any idea, for example, like with these tribes of what ayahuasca was used for them and how I, they had their experience? Yeah, ayahuasca. I think it didn't originate with Native Americans. I imagine they just adopted it from someone some, from South America because in South America, that's where they basically is a mix of like a few different herbs, and it's meant to extract. Like, so hypothetically, you could make a, like a tea that's similar to ayahuasca with other things, as long as it has the same way of extracting the DMT, because really, it's using DMT. As, as the main drug, but I think it's digested differently in your stomach. So because it's digested differently in your stomach, it has a different effect on your, I don't know exactly what like chemical reaction it does, but it has a separate sort of effect. So it kind of switches it up. But ayahuasca originally, I think it is the South American model of EMT and like their sort of ritualistic practices. So there'd be like um, a lot of different like yeah, but, ways but, they take but, it and spiritual. DM, DMT is the synthesized version of 
the plant. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's not necessarily synthetic; it's extracted. So I'm saying it's, it's an extracted, like ayahuasca, you extract the DMT. So synthesized DMT would be just chemically making the compound or whatever. Right chemical. in the in the lab. But, right. right. But this, but but this is specifically from the the yes. roots, yep. the roots or the plants or the mixtures of all the different you know plants or raw material. And so, then so sexy. Oh my god. I mean, raw material. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't help myself, man. You know some words are triggers, man. <laughs> man. I don't know. There's a point where, like, if there, that many words are triggers, probably it's probably start looking around a little Dude, bit. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all fucked up in some way or another. Some are more fucked up than others. <laughs> well, that's a good way to get fucked up, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I, so, I mean, okay. I don't know if I've told you the, the whole story, and I might as well just do it now. I took ayahuasca with a Cherokee nation. They had a ritual for finding your spirit animal. They did this in a territory in New Jersey. I think it was a Native American territory. Do you have to pay for it? I'm just curious. Um, I don't remember, but I think there was an entrance fee. <laughs> So, the, the shaman needs to get paid oh hell yeah man <laughs> I, a friend of mine he messaged me and he's like hey i saw this like weird shit like to find like your spirit animal like on facebook it was like it was a, a facebook invite you know like one of those so like i checked it up i'm like all right you know this is cool i, I message around and sure enough i get booked i drive down there right and there's just this painted sign it's like find your spirit animal this way you know, like just somebody just freshly painted it, you know, like the paint was just dripping down. So I go in there and you like walk into this tent and it's like this big canvas teepee tent. And they have like this little thing in the middle and you just have like a 16 people were there and you got a bunch of Native Americans. And like there were like these big guys and there was like one of them was a medic. He had like the braids. I love this. He was braids and he had a medic jacket on. <laughs> so awkward. The way that the ritual was, this is how I remember it, because this is a while ago and it's, it's kind of vague, was they played powwow music. So they did a powwow dance before they did the ceremony. Uh, there was a meditation, and then they gave over the tea. And they kept on, they had these long pipes, and they kept on blowing smoke into the tent, I don't know what exactly they were smoking that was kind of fermenting the entire room, but uh, it was kind of very earthy, very uh, kind of like cardamom. Or heroin. Or heroin. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? But the experience for me was when... I went in. The thing is, you don't realize that you went in. So it's kind of like you don't realize you just did ayahuasca. It's kind of like that doesn't feel like me. That feels like a dream. But what you're in right now is not a dream. And I woke up and I remember all the trees were really big and like the grass was huge. And I looked down and there was a little leaf and there was a puddle in there. And I looked down into the puddle and I had the face of a chipmunk. 
And it didn't bother me. I felt at peace. And I just remember like looking up at the sky and it just kept on moving. The sky just kept on moving. And I could just feel auroras of colors. But what I saw, the way that I saw the trees, the grass, the leaves, the water, was all based on my interpretation, the way that I see trees, the way that I see leaves, the way that I perceive colors. And the whole experience was so in-depth to the point where when you come out of the trip, you feel like you're in somebody else's body. How did that make you feel? It feels weird. Like your hands don't feel like your hands, your arms don't feel like your arms. And it's just a weird phase until, but what's very strange is that when you come out of the ayahuasca trip, the life that you were before 18 hours, you no longer connect to it. So it's kind of like you're reborn as someone else. And then you're kind of starting from day one from there. I've never been able to reconnect with the person before. Is that, I don't even, is that good or bad for you from, from your perspective? That person was full of hate and trauma and anger, animosity, and just pure disgust. I don't even recognize that person anymore. I mean, that person was not even confident, didn't have the strength to stand up and didn't have the strength to do anything. You know, and I, I think that's why I got the chipmunk more than anything else. I think it's because they're a small little animal. But oh my Lord, dear Lord Jesus Christ, they are fucking fighters. They will push till the fucking end to survive. They're incredible creatures. I mean, you know, that's the beauty of nature, though, is that uh, no matter how big or small, there are mechanisms uh, through evolution that provide a lot of the tools necessary for survival. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that's the natural selection and many other things that we've, uh, we've learned throughout, uh, throughout our lives, but a chip, you know, a chipmunk may look small, but uh, you know, if you do the research, I'm sure you did because you're probably curious as to like why a chipmunk. And then you come to find out they're, um, their size is one thing, but what, uh, you know, what are they equipped with for their, uh, for, for their ability to survive in the, uh, the natural world that they're in, whatever the ecosystem. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, mean, I think this is, from my experience, I think this is why Native, I mean, modern day Native American tribes, when they try to find the spirit animal, they use ayahuasca is because what is a spirit animal? A spirit animal doesn't actually physically mean that you're a wolf. It doesn't mean you're physically a chipmunk. It means that just like everything is connected, we connect with, with the planet that we're in. And all the species, all the creatures, ants, birds, sharks, dolphins, whales, deer, lions, wolves, bears, we all connect with them in a certain way. There's something about certain animals that sparks something inside of you, some more than others. And when you find the one that sparks you the most, you find deeper meaning to this planet. Well, that's lovely. I mean, 
everyone is searching for that meaning of some sort, you know, and if um, from all of my experiences with psychedelics, nature was always um, somehow ingrained in the, uh, in the entire kind of lesson. Uh, it, it always drew me back to nature somehow. Um, you, you know, you had the pleasure and ability to experience this out in some kind of, uh, territory in, in nature inside of a hut. It it was still, it's still very weird. (laughs) Yeah. Now what, um, what about you, Nessie? The, um, the experiences you've had with LSD, let's say, uh, any any connections that you found back to nature? Um, I'd actually say, yeah, in a sense. I generally like much more like dark music or just like somber music, things that are... Uh-oh, they're coming for you. <laughs> Be careful, man. <laughs> they're coming in the black suits. Yeah. The big, like... I don't know. That was like a stop and shop joke. <laughs> <laughs> they found out your windmill, man. They're coming. <laughs> so somber music, right? I mean, you're a musician anyways. Um, yeah. we're, we're actually, all of us are musicians, surprisingly enough. You're a musician. Okay. I'm a musician. Nessie's a musician. Come on, so let's just call ourselves the fucking groovy Groovy trio. <laughs> yeah, no, like, uh, I actually noticed I, I like like happier music on average when I was like, like almost like the exact opposite of what I like now. It's actually kind of interesting. Like, I, 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 it was like my perceptions altered enough, or you could say it potentially revealed. It could be I naturally like happy music. It's just some sort of like repression or something. That I like somber music, but it's the, it's like it was weird because like music, like like uh, it's like my like a lot of things just like connect. The opposite. If I, it was it was almost as if it was it was taking away brush. It was, it was like um, there was a lot of things that were clouding my mind. Like I was telling uh, Matthew, is that your name? I'm sorry. Yes, for today, Matthew is fine. I'll take it. I'm Mary. Well, I knew that. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were talking about it earlier, but um, I, I want you to finish your thought, though, because I, I find yeah. that very curious. I mean, my initial question was regarding like, based on the ayahuasca trip that David has had and the connection with nature that he, he had made um, and the, the purpose of it, discovering that spirit animal, uh, I, you know, I'd like to, I can see a correlation with my own experiences with uh, psychedelics that we find ourselves coming back to nature somehow, uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional. So I'm curious if like you may have experienced something very similar yourself with LSD, but you, you, you know, you got into the music aspect. And so I'm curious as to like where your mind was going with that. Um, you typically would like dark music, but you found, uh, you found something where you yeah. found yourself enjoying more happy music. 
Yeah, I think it could be an innate inclination for me to do things that are sort of like uh, opposite nature or something that are like like innate inclination to go do. It's like something that, that's not what I'm normally within, in a sense. And it could be LSD provided sort of like field or like a, a sort of like a place that I could that I could easily without kind of any like kind of social obstruction. Because I feel like a lot of obstruction that we just have to view like anything is like a lot of it is literally just societal imprints that we're like, like what we should and shouldn't do. Cause I think if we were innately just flowing with our like normal personality, we, we might be like entirely different people. Cause you know, it, it's like everyone, they say there's like, you know, people are affected by like nature and nurture and stuff where you're just like what, what other people think of them essentially or what you're supposed to do. And, Essentially, I think it just means to stay safe, essentially, because people can attack you and, like, you want people to love you and not hate you and stuff. So it's, like, it's, like, the sort of thing. It's, like, I think a lot of times we're playing within, like, a metric, in, in like, sort of this, like, so much of our, like, persona, even when we're alone, um, is, like, building that, in a sense, as, like, a, as like a preparation to, to, to seeing people and portraying a certain thing that you've decided with your experience is the best way to, to achieve some sort of like uh, societal acceptance, like depending on which society I guess you're going to is like this group or this, these friends or this sort of thing. So it's like, like, I think, I think like, like your, your natural being is like very different than what like people like portray within uh, to other people in that sense. And like, and like, so like LSD might have the ability to, to at least give you the open mindedness to not care about that for a little while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean like there's not beauty in the things that you do for the societal norms, but it might not be like such a high amount of stress on it. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like I might've listened to more dark music in the past as a sort of defense mechanism against, said like maybe his father and I had like just people there to like, be against or like portraying a sort of aggressive tonality or music that like extradites like aggression is right. really good friends <laughs> so it's like don't <laughs> me like i will like it, it like it like kind of gets like like the metal vibe like, <laughs> like don't, you know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a, and, and a form of just kind of uh what is it um you know uh re- rebellion um, yeah. <laughs> uh, to like societal norms, the programming that everybody's kind of forced to forced to experience, uh, but don't may, that may not most people may not be able to identify or even uh, be able to describe it um, uh, enough or in, in a I want to say in an intelligent manner to truly understand it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, the thing though is this is this is kind of the main difference between LSD and ayahuasca. It's we're LSD is kind of a euphoria, a euphoria of your your mind and your soul and your vision and interpretation, whereas ayahuasca is more of, I'll give you a great example of this. There was a tribe, I think it was in Venezuela, uh, they no longer exist thanks to the Spaniards murdering all of them and raping them until they all became Christians. But anyway, they used to do ayahuasca when people would die the family would all come together and they would all do ayahuasca. And the reason was, is that ayahuasca would allow them to connect with the person that would die, even though it's not necessarily real, but they could physically all stand there together and watch as the person leaves into the next world. 
and they kind of create that bond and connection. Ayahuasca is all about connection. It's all about connecting. You said this about DMT. It's about those shapes and geometry and the way that they kind of come together. It's all about these pieces connecting and turning like a clock, really having very precise gears. You don't understand how the gears work. But when you put on the glasses and when you read the manual, you understand how those gears work. And that's kind of the magic of ayahuasca and also DMT. You now understand how the clock works, which is something uh, most, most people don't know. I mean, I don't know if uh, I understand how the clock works. I, I would say more so that it's, uh, it's exposed. It's at least exposed me to the fact uh, that um, I can see that it's there for maybe for the yeah. first time ever. Right. But like actually understanding it um, may take uh a generation of uh, exploration and uh, pondering, you know, but, but, it um, open, but it opens up that gate of connecting where you no longer just see something and be like, Oh, I can't, you see something like, Oh, I connect to this. I want to learn more about it. It, you know, it, what you're talking about is so relevant to the entire season because um, up until this point with uh, everything we've discussed and, and some of the other guests have uh, mentioned as well is that like much of these psychedelics are a um, are I guess in a sense a path to connect with others and uh, well mainly yourself and with others. Um, we've we've heard it from uh, Eli before, uh, depending on um, the topic, and so and Henry and Henry, yeah, and then here we are, and we're and we're clearly seeing that even with ayahuasca your experience your definition or kind of explanation of it is it's uh it's about the connection either the human connection the inter like interpersonal connection or like the the connection with all that exists uh which is the world and and you know nature itself and all the colors Uh, of the rainbow uh, it's probably all one in the same (laughs) right very fascinating though i mean uh so would you do it again or do you think you have found at least some of the answers you were looking for i would not do ayahuasca again what's the reason the reason is is that i feel it's a one-time experience for me personally where it's helped it's kind of helped me build the building blocks that I can use other psychedelics to continue what it started. I think, uh, you know, one other one I would love to do is shrooms and then peyote. I did peyote before. I would love to try San Pedro. Um, Some mescaline. Mescaline. I mean, the thing is it's, I've seen this. It's kind of like I've been adding more pieces to the puzzle. So ayahuasca is like the first piece. And then as I add more pieces to the puzzle, it kind of connects. Uh, I feel like doing ayahuasca is just redoing another piece again, which there's no point of me doing that again. I, I, I know what it's told me. I know what the meaning was it. Yeah. Yeah. That's very fascinating. So if, you know, if it were to be true, that would mean like the one time hoping that in that one time you experience or uh understand better what it is you're trying to achieve when when i like compare it to um psilocybin 
experiences. So, you know, people, people on my channel will ask me in the comments constantly, like, you know, could it work for them for various different things? And I'll always have to remind people that with psilocybin, the answers are not necessarily in the, uh, in the experience itself. The answers were always within you. Um, but this tool, the mushrooms can be the gateway to, uh, at least unlocking some of what's hidden. Like it's the answers were always within you. You don't have to seek anywhere else, but, but because of what, let's say, uh, Nessie talks about here, um, the societal norms, the, um, the expectations of how you should be versus what you want to be, uh, it can really prevent people from making that discovery on their own. This is where the shrooms can come in. Every time you do them, it can unlock another piece of that puzzle if you're ready to uh, to explore those things. Um, in this instance, like this is this is why I feel like they're they're definitely very wide uh, widely different from each other. Where you feel like you've done the ayahuasca and like I found what I need and I don't need to go back, but now you're open to trying these other things. Um, from my point of view that when you take psilocybin, you may not, you may not find or discover anything the first time or the third time or the fifth time, but it's having to kind of stick with it and uh, continue to ask questions internally. But you see, like we, we discussed this before. I think the reason is, is that ayahuasca, same thing with DMT infects a very crucial part of your brain, which is called your subconscious. It's the part of your brain that's on the back. That part of the brain is everything that's going on in the background. It's everything that your brain is is complicating. It's all the pieces. It's all the matter. It's all of the dreams. Everything is compact into that one area. So when you're able to lock into it, even, I mean, 18 hours, sometimes it's like up to 20 hours. You have that, that peace. You now understand what goes on in your brain. Now, the question is, what goes on in the other pieces of your brain? Psilocybin affects another part of your brain. Acid affects uh, your third eye. I don't know if you knew this, Nessie. Uh, psychedelic affects your third eye, that, that part of your brain. It, all of these affect different parts. Peyote affects the part of the brain that connects to your ears the way that your brain interprets music that comes through your ears, that's a part of the brain that it affects as well. Each of these are different pieces. That's a great reason why many people do acid over and over again, because your third eye is all about creativity. We're always changing with our music, with our art, the, the way that we perceive things. So always adding on that piece is so important. But with your subconscious, you just need to grab on and just, just pull the curtain open. And just look at it as so as much as you can, and then you have the necessary steps to move to move forward. Do you remember anything from uh, from the eighteen hours? I, yes. I know you've I know that uh, you've described some of these experiences. Either we've had private conversations or or um, on camera. Um, because it's such a long experience. I mean, uh, it felt well, like an, it felt like um, it, to me. It felt like four hours. 
uh, the piece that really connected to me was, I remember I was in front of a river. And at the end of the river, there were two stone statues of a lion. And when you looked at the lions and you turned a certain way, they expanded to multiple ones, vasting infinity. When you turn away from them, you could see their backs facing you. You can't, I don't know how to explain this. Like you couldn't see them, but you knew that they were facing their backs against you. And when you would look into the river, you would just see complete darkness, nothing, just absolutely nothing. And the way that I interpret it was, is that I lived my life like I was in an abyss. I grew up in a home. I love my parents. I grew up in a very closed-minded, very controlling environment. And I did not want to admit that it was a black abyss. And I spent my whole life basically praying to statues, an infinite amount of boring statues. What is this a, uh, like uh, Jewish culture or religion? Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Nessie wants to elaborate a little bit more of what I'm talking about. It's they create these pillars of complete stupidity of laws and rules and regulations that don't make any sense. The same way that you as a person, you as an individual are not bound by what is in front of you, meaning that if someone tells you that, that you're only good enough for this because that's how they feel and that's what they've been taught and that's what it says, but you don't necessarily apply to those laws because you are your own person. You have your own personality. You have your own traits. You have your own creativity. You have what makes you, you more than anything else. To be bound by that lie told to you over and over again, no, you have to be that stone statue because you have to be, because this is what we do. This is the law. This is religion. We've been doing this for 2000 years. You don't like it? Too bad. You're born into it. There's nothing you can do about it. Clearly, that was wrong because you, you because you broke those uh, those uh, boundaries. You stepped across the uh, the abyss. You know, how I did that after ayahuasca. I officially left. I took ayahuasca in 2016. 2017 was when I left religion completely. Okay, and. Um... It broke the ch- it broke the chains. That that's what it it did. It allowed me to actually be a free person for once. And from that point on, you have not really felt the need to uh, explore that again. Uh, I would, I have heard stories where people do go back and do it again, and there might be varying reasons, right? Everyone is but different. Th- th- this is the thing. This is why I'm, I'm, I said this is important. Ayahuasca can be used different ways. The way that I experienced it was is to find my spirit animal is to find the inner voice inside of me that's been screaming, get the fuck out! Like that was in my brain for 17 years of my life, was get the fuck out of there! And I was not listening to it for 17 years. And I needed this experience to tell me,
you can't completely discount that. It's a possibility. We don't really know. But at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, it uh, it all comes back to the this very same culture of people. Yes, different tribes, maybe different times, um, but also uh, the connection with ayahuasca or a similar kind of concoction of these roots and plants and and blends where they would extract them and turn them into this tea. Like, what's the connection between all of these tribes and this, let's say, plant matter, this ayahuasca? Um, and even more so, if we look at the South American history for some of these tribes, ayahuasca was not a simple thing to concoct. Parts of its ingredients or roots found in a, a region that was maybe hundreds of miles away from the other ingredients needed in order to turn it into ayahuasca tea. It's incredibly fascinating to understand um, the vast uh, distances between the availability of these things, like how even back then, did, obviously even more so, right? Let's, uh, let's play around with this idea. These tribes that had discovered ayahuasca not only did they have to get these plant materials, roots, plants, whatever the medium was, but they had to also discover that when combining them together created this effect. Now, when we also take into account that vast distance where, you know, a root of the ayahuasca plant or, or the concoction is a hundred, hundred or hundreds of miles away from the other ingredient that's necessary to make it how did they ever discover that these two combined together would create such an experience i mean i'm thinking again going back to this theory and again this is a theory i don't know if this is true but if they are the long lost descendants of the lost civilization of atlantis could it possibly be that that back then they knew of the ingredients and components to make such tea that when they had to flee because of whatever the disaster was, and these people were the ones that were able to survive, and they settled in South America and Central America and then eventually North America, did they then look and scaver around to find those ingredients that they knew of? So that's why they were able to travel such distances because they knew what they were looking for. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to guess. I mean, this is... The part of the theory is if they were descendants of the lost city of Atlantis, like we we assume, right, just based on history, that the lost city of Atlantis is lost and therefore even its even its population just vanished. Right. But what if that but what if that wasn't the case? But here's the interesting thing. The that civilization was completely abolished 12,000 years ago. When in Native Americans, according to archaeologists, when in Native Americans officially ornate here in the Americas? 12,000 years. years ago. Yeah. So that's, a, that's an interesting connection there. But it still uh, leaves me with the same thought. Like, history books tell us that this lost city disappeared and so did its inhabitants. Uh, but how can that be the case without a trace? Right. Wouldn't it make more sense that 
some of their population, maybe not all, but some of their population did escape. Whatever the, whatever the catastrophe was, if it was a meteor or, or massive flood that destroyed the city. Um, I don't even think we know that much about Atlantis. We don't. Just, I mean, just whatever History Channel wants to kind of slap together for a, for a story or... For a half hour. Right. You know, history is mysteries. <laughs> Great segment. Oh, my God. <laughs> I used to love getting stoned as a kid. Loved getting stoned and watching uh, modern marvels on the History Channel. Oh, my God. What? It was uh, great. It was really good. I, 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 remember, I remember those days. My dad used to... My dad loved that shit. Uh, my dad used to... <laughs> we, we, used to we used to go to Blockbuster. Yeah. Back in the day. And then they used to have the, uh, the History Channel area. And we used to... So they didn't have them on DVDs. So the Blockbuster that we had, they were on VHS. So the way that you'd watch the segments, you'd get them on VHS tapes. Um, and remember, we used to come home, and my dad would put them in, and we were watching History Channel on a VHS tape. <laughs> but it was it was great. I remember one of them we were watching was about the the Maya, the Mayan people of Mexico, mm-hmm. and it's so sad because they were their culture was big, built around uh, community. And when the Spaniards came, they welcomed the Spaniards. They gave them food. They gave them shelter. And what did the Spaniards do in returns? Slaughter them. Slaughter them like pigs. You know, Catholicism, man. Oh, hell Con- yeah. And convert. Think, and think about it. Most you of fucking Mexico- savages. <laughs> think about it today. Most of Mexico is, is Catholic. But if you look at most Native Americans... Not even Americans, sorry, Mexicans, they don't look Spanish, like from Spain, because they're not from Spain. They're Native Americans. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's true. I mean, it depends on which ones you're looking at. You ever, you ever see a, a Mexican person with blue eyes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. Mexican people with blonde hair, but I'm talking about those ones that they have their roots connected to Mayan tribes. Yeah, yeah, I mean those. Yeah, those are those are a dying breed. Obviously, like the, those Spaniards did a hell of a job. Oh yeah, conquering they, conquistadors, man. Uh, they, you know, something they they should get an award for the most sex in ever century. <laughs> they, ooh, I mean, the French were known for lepu. Like they were known to stink up the place and like really get things done. But like the Spanish, they. They knew, they knew, you know, Z6, you know, they, they knew, <laughs> they knew Z6. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think Nessie's uh, coming back. Uh, do you want to, do you want to just wrap up? Let's wrap up. We had a great episode. I hope oh. you guys learned something. Yeah. We, uh, we had fun. Yeah. And uh, like always, guys. We'll be back for more shit, more fun uh, next week, by the way. Just giving you a heads up, Henry will be back, and we're going to be covering psilocybin. So stay tuned. And I needed this experience to tell me, get the fuck out. And I listened, and I got the fuck out. Well, you seem happier for it. I don't – that's the thing also. Like, the person 
I was 16 years old. I don't remember that person. I see pictures of myself when I was 16, when I was a kid. I don't, it, it doesn't feel like me. It feels like a picture of someone that happens to look like me. I don't relate with that person at all. Ah, that's good though. You're growing, man. Our, da- our David is getting which, older. Which way? <laughs> Incredible though. It is a it is a really good positive story. And I'm glad that listeners can can hear it. I mean, for whatever it's worth, it's um obviously everyone's uh choices or purposes will be different for wanting to explore something like this. Um and yeah. and, and it definitely goes to it goes to show too that if you were able to get what you needed <coughs> from one experience. Others might be too, and then there's going to be others that can't. They need to go back and they need to re-explore it. Oh yeah, of course. And and, and try to figure it out. Um, I uh, I wonder, Nessie, what was uh, what was your purpose for uh, for LSD? Unmute yourself. Thy Lord, unmute yourself. Your uh, overlords yeah. have requested. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, was I actually said a few things. Like <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, I, uh, I was just, I just did it with my friends, honestly. Well, it wasn't that special. We were just like in the woods. But... No special occasion. I mean, so this is what the first time, and but from that point on, do you, did you ever feel like there was, um, there was something like, hey, I need to go back here and revisit this and uh, take it a little more seriously, or any anything like that? Honestly, um, the way I viewed it for a while, well, in a lot of ways, or LSD in particular, just because of it's like, it's it's sort of, um, I mean, I've met people who've like been like totally fucked from it for like years and years and stuff. Like uh, one of my friends, James, he took it and he was like, till he was like 21, he, he's like, a, I mean, you know, even now he's still like a belligerent alcoholic. Like it's like, uh, I feel like for me taking it, it's, it's a, I've always kind of had a certain amount of uh, caution with it where I'll take it when I'm specifically in kind of a, a sort of mindset and like they're a good like place in a sense or something like I, I know like uh, in other words like, like I, I, w- I would take it in, a, in, in kind of a moment's notice as opposed to like a, a serious thing because I have a potential just in my own self to get very confused thinking about things too much so I've been a little worried to take it seriously as like potential negative repercussions of taking it. So I've, I've tried to take okay. it kind of, but, but uh, I'm not saying this is like a, this is the right thing or anything. I mean, just, for me, I've, I've been very cautious with it <clears throat> whenever I've taken it, just like more low dosages and almost like chipping away at the side. You know what I mean? Just a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, well, just, that just makes a, sense though. Just a little, you know, you just. Chip it from the sides, <laughs> but that but that makes sense though, and it, and you know it's still it's a question I ask everybody um, who who's dived into the world of psychedelics in one form or another is just kind of like you know what drew you in and what was like what was the purpose and obviously there's going to be people um, who have a purpose of just kind of like well it was available and I and I tried it that was my experience with DMT the 
obviously like I had already known about it and I was already curious. Otherwise, if I didn't know about it and somebody proposed it uh, in a very similar sense, how it happened, I probably would have been like, what the fuck is that? And I, I don't know if I'm going to be interested, you know, but yeah. because, because I, I did know I, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, a moment's notice, uh, executive decision answer was yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do, I do want to make a really important point and I'm not putting down <clears throat> this, but, uh, ayahuasca is extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous in a way where I, I just I, been like, feeling myself. Yeah. But, like this is something like important. Like I, I had my experience. I was with, um, I was with a group of native Americans. There was a medic on board on staff. I remember even when I came out, the medic came over, he checked my blood pressure. He made sure my, made sure I was okay. Like there's, there's ways of dealing with these things. Like, especially when you're dealing with ayahuasca and peyote, this stuff is extremely toxic, not in a bad way, in a way where if you, if you're not prepared, see, like you were saying this, Mike, like, you know, you heard about DMT. I'm going to try it. You can't do that with ayahuasca. You can't just be like, Oh, yeah, I'm just gonna do ayahuasca. It, it, it's. Feeling is the same thing. You might have just got lucky. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I'm saying like with ayahuasca because it's raw. It's the raw plant itself. You're not dealing with like just deriving DMT and just taking that directly. You're actually taking the entire plant with all of its extra chemicals and everything else that's in there. So it's all about making sure that you're in a good environment. Of course, always having a medic on board. That's what I've been told. It's important as somebody that knows basic no, no, no. basic things, but I'm not putting it down. My point is that it's always smart to do things, but there are some psychedelics you need to be prepared for. 100%. That's just my, my no. personal Dave token. <laughs> 200%. With an extra thousand Dave tokens. What can that buy me? Uh, (laughs) What can that buy me? Like, no, do it any (laughs) time. Maybe uh, a busted busted guitar missing three strings. You know, it's got a little dent, a little chiseled on the side. You know, chip paint. It's good. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) (laughs) Little character. (sighs) You know... Look, safety is definitely important, but, I, you know, anybody in the world of, uh, of psychedelics, um, whether, <laughs> you know, whether it's, um, it's knowingly or unknowingly, uh, w- when they dive in, it's usually at a moment's notice. There's not, not a lot of, um, <clears throat> there isn't a whole lot of like planning in advance. Uh, I think the more serious you get about it, if you feel like you're getting benefit, eventually, maybe then um, you do a little more planning. Uh, for sure, the ayahuasca situation, just like what we've heard, there's ceremonies. It's, it is a, it is a necessity to prepare. And I think the only place you're getting those, considering that it's an 18 hour experience, uh, give or take, are from professionals that, uh, can administer it. I mean, you know, quote unquote professionals, shamans, uh, South America, Mexico, and somewhere know, in the U.S. Know, man. These, people were, the article. <laughs> these people were pretty, pretty, pretty professional. I mean, well, they, got a they medic. had a medic. They had a, a medic. medic. Yeah. Medic, bro. I know, man. Bro. 
bro i know like <laughs> this guy like went to school you know like, he, he he knew his shit he had he had a jacket on yeah and he's been eating tobacco leaves since he was two you know what his name was pepe no his name was pete yeah it was close <laughs> his name is pete it's i was just off by two letters <laughs> one letter <laughs> Oh, God. Good times. Oh, I'm sure it was, man. Now the question becomes, you know, if people were interested in, like, locating these things, what, should they go about it the way you did? Facebook? I would personally recommend if anybody, like, example, is most of our users are in California and Utah, uh, which there's a lot <laughs> what? of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A majority of our audience is in California and Utah. Uh, I would personally recommend... You know, see, for example, in like, you know, your local territory, a lot of them have like websites, they have Instagram pages, uh, Facebook pages, see what kind of ceremonies or anything they have. Be respectful. Gotta remember, these people have been through a lot of shit. Don't don't make stupid jokes. Be nice. You know, see what they have available. Um, I've seen I've seen a few in Utah that have posted about ceremony, peyote ceremonies that they've done. Uh, But that would be my advice. Just. Look at your local territory, see what they have available, um, see if they post anything online. It's like a fucking carnival event, like, you know. Yeah, it's a very big mm-hmm. event, like peyote, ayahuasca, Jesus. this is stuff that they take very seriously. It's part oh, of yeah, their I culture. Mean, it's part of their culture. I mean, as they should, especially since, you know, they, they can make quite a bit of money off of it, too. And then, um, you know, of course, if it's in those very same territories, they can probably, uh, you know, kind of... Um, nudge you towards Yamava Casino next door after the fact. It's like, okay, now go gamble. <laughs> you fucking white. You white Americans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, well. I met, um, <clears throat> I, I, I remember I met a Native American um, when I was in California who's part of the Navajo tribe. And I had a long conversation. He was a really cool dude. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking back and forth about culture. And he's like, let me tell you something, man. The white people, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just they, like that. They do not like white people. <laughs> they just white don't. people don't like white people. <laughs> no, oh, that's a good point, too. No, because his his point in like it was really hard for me to hear this. Like his his grandmother was raped numerous times by many um, American soldiers during the uh, World War II. They, when they came back to the States, um, a lot of American soldiers that came back to California and these areas, they just went to Native American tribes and they just raped the shit out of women. Just raped the, like, same, thing with the, same thing with the Japanese community. They just raped the motherfucking shit out of all of them. And That makes it, sense, though. It's horrible because, like, to him, he's like his, his grandmother. It's not funny. I mean, like, it's kind no, of it's funny. not. It's, it's, no, it's not. He's la- he's laughing because I said it probably because it makes sense. You know, these guys from uh, from the whether it's the the Pacific theater or the or the European theater, they they finally finish World War Two. They come back. They're you know they're battered. They're they've gone through a lot. And where are they going to get uh, almost similar freedoms? Because, again, the freedoms that you kind of have on a battlefield, like, everything goes. You know what I mean? You want you want to fucking uh, raid a village and then rape the women there and fucking um, take what you want off of dead bodies. Like, it's, um, it's no man's land. 
but they come back to the States and all of a sudden there's rules again. Right. And they're not the same people. They're like, I got to come back and live in a society where, you know, these rules, like I used to drive fucking tanks, multi-million dollar fucking tanks, blow the shit out of whatever the fuck I want, you know, take what I want. And so they come back and where do they get close to those freedoms? It's going to be Native American territories where they can gamble, they can smoke, they can drink, they can be degenerates as they please. Did we we lose Nessie? He's gone. I don't see his face. He's phone died. He'll come, he'll come back in a few minutes. But like the whole point of it, he was saying was, is that a lot of the tribes today, and, and so unfortunate because some, a lot of them have died off. Like there's not yeah. that many even left. And he said that they want to continue their, their culture. They want to continue their heritage. And ayahuasca and peyote is part of their culture and the heritage. I mean, psychedelics have always been a part of Native American culture, because they were always a people of innovation, always figuring out on how people work, how we can work together as a team, you know, survive, yeah, live off the land, connect with the with the land, I mean, grow food. Um, They're very resourceful. It it is sad to see such a culture kind of uh, die off and uh, kind of tucked away into these like desert towns with giant casinos, 6,500 slot machines. Oh my God. <laughs> you, know? you and the fucking casinos, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this is basically how the U.S. government kind of won them over. They're like, sorry, we raped your people. Here's a casino. But, <laughs> I, but, but, but <laughs> I, I do, I do think that, especially we're talking about ayahuasca. I think it's really important that we bring up native American awareness where they're the best people. I'm serious. They're the best people talk about psychedelics. Actually, one of the ways that I know so much about psychedelics is from native Americans. Seriously. That's how I, I know mean. so much about it. It's because, you know, and it's, it's so interesting because they have such root heritage, literally dating back 12. You got to remember They've been in this country before we, we slaughtered and butchered them like a bunch of fucking animals for 12,000 years. They are one of the longest living tribes of human species that we know of in modern day history that has survived 12,000 years. The Egyptian Empire didn't last 12,000 years. The Persian Empire didn't last 12,000 years. Babylonians didn't last for 12,000 years. The motherfucking Romans didn't last for 12,000 years. Native Americans did. You know, it makes you wonder how that could have been. Um, Innovation. Well, innovation, man. I mean, it's not for a lack of uh, war. You know, uh, they fought wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Among among tribes, it was uh, it was very common. And but somehow they still outlived massive empires that uh, were wealthier, more organized, more, um, more aggressive uh, in their expansion. No one knew they existed until the, uh, until the 1500s. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. To survive that long. Yeah. Thanks to fucking Chris or Christy, Christy Colombo, whatever his name is. (laughs) He fucked all the shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you, Chrissy. (laughs) 
damn you, Christy, man. Uh, 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 you and your bullshit. I, I don't even, I don't, yeah, I don't think he was the first one, though. No, 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 he wasn't. There was he wasn't the first ones. one. I think, uh, the, you know, uh, the history books give him credit for discovering the Americas, but I believe there was someone else before him, uh, but he never got credit for it. Um, I can't remember exactly. It was, no, no, no. I know you're talking about it. It was a Norwegian. He was a Viking. I Oh, God. Oh, I know his name. Well, here, let's let's Google this shit. He was a he was a he was a Viking. Um, he he went he went through he came through Canada, and then from Canada he came through to the United States. But the Vikings, okay. but the Vikings were the first people to ever come to the Americas in little boats. I'm dead serious. They came in those like long boats. And they went through the ocean. Isn't that crazy? Those are not little boats, man. I'm telling you, those Viking ships were massive. They were massive, but like they were not very sturdy. But the really cool thing about Vikings were they were known for. I saw one of these ships. There it is. It's reported by NPR here. 500 years before Columbus, a band of Vikings led by See, Le- Leif, Leif Erikson. Erikson! Yes! That's him! Yeah, if if you guys are watching, there it is. NPR, man, never wrong. But uh, the 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 point is, is that we're. I mean, anybody that's bored one day, just I'm telling you, just research Native American culture, especially Inca and Aztecs. It, it's just insane what these people have done in twelve thousand years. You know, we're still discovering parts of South America that um that have uh remnants of civilization that you yeah well no we know about that one i'm talking about not not really i don't know if you know this like machu picchu according to researchers we only have about i think 10 to 15 percent of understanding of machu picchu there's a lot of things we still don't understand about it how they built their structures how they survived where they were able to get food. It's a lot of questions that have not been answered. We just don't know. Yeah. I I can I can believe that, but that wasn't that wasn't my no, point that's though. Not, that's not the only one. My, I, I know, I know. No, my, my point my point being is that the, in these dense forests and rainforests of South America, they're still discovering civilizations that were buried. And they're like, holy shit, there's a whole city here. Oh, yeah. We didn't we didn't even know this existed here. Uh, you know, whatever archaeology uh, projects are are coming up with them, like whoever's doing the digging and searching. I mean, we're still discovering um, these things today. Now, in terms of understanding, like the cultures behind them, absolutely. For for the ones that for the ones that we already know about Machu Picchu, for one, our understanding is limited. But as yeah. you can see, discovering new structures. You know, new pyramids, new, um, you know, new, new civilizations or, or uh, tribes. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. We've been, you know, the world has been digging up the past for about a century, effectively, in, in a sense, effectively with, with funding uh, for about a century. And, we're, and yet, after a century, we're still discovering places that we didn't even know existed. So, a, did you know? Did you know about the Nazca lines? 
also in South America? No. Bring it up, man. Bring it up on Google right now. I mean, you can you can only you can only see these uh, these structures from space. Let me see. Hold on. Let me see if I can. So N A Z C A lines. Fucking Yahoo. Fucking Yahoo? No. <laughs> Fuck out of here, dude. Google. NASCA? NASCA and N A Z C A. What's going on back there? Are your fucking cats fighting? What are they doing? No, there's a bunch of kids just I forgot to close the door. And uh, they're just screaming. Oh, my God. No way. That's what I'm talking about. No so way. You can only oh. see these from very high up in the sky. So just to anybody that's not watching the video, what we're looking at right now is it's in this sand. There's these ingrooves of these images. The one that we're looking at right now kind of looks like a person with one of their hands up. There's two feet with two eyes. Oh my god, wait, there's one that looks like a spider? Oh yeah, man. So, you know when oh, they started I've seen these. Yeah, yes, yeah. you have. Of course you've seen these, but you didn't know what you were looking at more than likely and no. it probably depending on where you saw them, the person explaining it probably didn't do the best job, but This is not real. Is this they, real? They're they're real, man. You know there was a theorist um I Look at that one. Look at that bird. The one that you're on right now. Look at this- that. That's pretty, oh. So, would you believe that these are miles long? Yeah, they look of miles course. long. They have to be, right? So, look at the precision. And then, you know, the question becomes, well, how the fuck did they have that kind of precision with the tools they had back then? Their geometry had to be impeccable um, to get this correct. And then, on top of that... Make it last for the... Uh, make it last, yeah, for centuries or millennia. Yeah, that's the biggest point. You you absolutely nailed it. Make it so that it will not just dissipate with time, that the winds won't just cover them up and then they go away. They must have drew, drew these in the cuts of the wind, so where the wind doesn't flow back and forth, where the wind only flows... Oh, my God. They had to figure out how the wind basically cuts into four different sections where the wind wouldn't be able to move. Dear God, these people were. You know, there was a theorist. I don't remember who he was. He said that it's very possible that the Native Americans, Inca, Aztec, United States, including Canada, they are direct descendants of the supposed people of the lost lost civilization of Atlantis. I guess, I mean... You know, you can't. Go ahead. I'll continue. You can't completely discount. Holy shit. You can't completely discount that. It's a possibility. We don't really know. But at the end of the day, um, oh, damn, that thing took a tumble, huh? At the end of the day, it uh, it all comes back to the this very same culture of people Yes, different tribes, maybe different times, um, but also uh, the connection with ayahuasca or a similar kind of concoction of these roots and plants and and blends where they would extract them and turn them into this tea. Like, what's the connection between all of these tribes and this, let's say, plant matter, this ayahuasca? 
Um, and even more so, if we look at the South American history for some of these tribes, ayahuasca was not a simple thing to concoct. Parts of its ingredients or roots found in a, a region that was maybe hundreds of miles away from the other ingredients needed in order to turn it into ayahuasca tea. It's incredibly fascinating to understand um, the vast uh, distances between the availability of these things, like how even back then, did, obviously even more so, right? Let's, uh, let's play around with this idea. These tribes that had discovered ayahuasca, not only did they have to get these plant materials, roots, plants, whatever the medium was, but they had to also discover that when combining them together created this effect. Now, when we also take into account that vast distance where, you know, a root of the ayahuasca plant or, or the concoction is a hundred, hundred or hundreds of miles away from the other ingredient that's necessary to make it, how did they ever discover that these two combined together would create such an experience? I mean, I'm thinking, again, going back to this theory, and again, this is a theory. I don't know if this is true. But if they are the long-lost descendants of the lost civilization of Atlantis, could it possibly be that, that back then they knew of the ingredients and components to make such tea that when they had to flee because of whatever the disaster was, and these people were the ones that were able to survive, and they settled in South America and Central America and then eventually North America, did they then look and scatter around to find those ingredients that they knew of. So that's why they were able to travel such distances because they knew what they were looking for. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to guess. I mean, this is the part of the theory is if they were descendants of the lost city of Atlantis, like we we assume, right. Just based on history that the lost city of Atlantis is lost and therefore, even its even its population just vanished, right? But, but what if that? But what if that wasn't the case? But here's the interesting thing: the that civilization was completely abolished twelve thousand years ago. When in Native Americans, according to archaeologists, when in Native Americans officially ornate here in the Americas, twelve thousand years. years ago. Yeah. So that's a, that's an interesting connection there. But it still uh, leaves me with the same thought. Like history books tell us that this lost city disappeared and so did its inhabitants. Uh, but how can that be the case without a trace, right? Wouldn't it make more sense that some of their population, maybe not all, but some of their population did escape? Whatever the whatever the catastrophe was, it was a meteor or, or massive flood that destroyed the city. Um, I don't even think we know that much about Atlantis. We don't. Just, I mean, just whatever History Channel wants to kind of slap together for a, for a story or for a half hour. Right. You know, history is mysteries. <laughs> Great segment. Oh my god. I used to love getting stoned as a kid, 
loved getting stoned and watching uh, Modern Marvels on the History Channel. Oh my god! What? It was uh, great. It was really good. I, I, I remember. I remember those days. My dad used to. My dad loved that shit. Uh, my dad used to. <laughs> we we used to we used to go to Blockbuster. Yeah. Back in the day, and then they used to have the uh, the History Channel area, and we used to. So they didn't have them on DVDs. So the Blockbuster that we had, they were on VHS. So the way that you'd watch the segments, you'd get them on VHS tapes. Um, and I remember we used to come home and my dad would put them in and we were watching History Channel on a VHS tape. <laughs> but it was it was great. I remember one of them we were watching was about the the Maya. The Mayan people of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad because they were their culture was big, built around uh, community. And when the Spaniards came, they welcomed the Spaniards. They gave them food. They gave them shelter. And what did the Spaniards do in returns? Slaughter them. Slaughter them like pigs. You know, Catholicism, man. Oh, hell Con- yeah. And convert. Th- and think about it. Most you of fucking Mexico- savages. <laughs> think about it today. Most of Mexico is, is Catholic. But if you look at most Native Americans, not Native Americans, sorry, Mexicans, they don't look Spanish, like from Spain, because they're not from Spain. They're Native Americans. Yeah, it, yeah, that's true. I mean, it depends on which ones you're looking at. You ever you ever see a, a Mexican person with blue eyes? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mexican people with blonde hair. But I'm talking about those ones that they have their roots connected to Mayan tribes. Yeah. I mean, those, yeah, those are, those are a dying breed, obviously like those Spaniards did a hell of a job conquering conquistadors, man. uh, You know something, they they should get an award for the most sex in ever century. (laughs) (laughs) They, I mean, the French were known for Lepou. Like they were known to stink up the place and like, really get things done but like the spanish they they knew they knew you know z6 you know they they knew, <laughs> they knew <Z6. laughs> i don't i don't i don't think nessie's uh coming back uh do you want to do you want to just wrap up let's wrap up we had a great episode i hope oh. you guys learned something yeah we uh we had fun yeah and uh like always guys We'll be back for more shit, more fun. Uh, next week, by the way, just giving you a heads up, Henry will be back. And we're going to be covering psilocybin. So stay tuned. All right. Catch you next week. Peace. All right, guys. We have reached that time in our podcast. This has been great. It has been fun. And we got lost in the group. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. It premieres about 2 a.m. in the morning and our other channels, Shambam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon podcast and our extra special, The Shindig Variety Show, our YouTube podcast. Links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season and what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer 
Thank you guys so much for watching. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace.